Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. We are uh, in week four of our study on Proverbs. We're taking a look at some different ways that we can foolproof our life. And the book of Proverbs is in the Old Testament. And um, it's a lot of the wisdom of Solomon and, and even some other writers and it just teaches us different things that we can do, different, different um, things that we can apply, ways that we can go about living our lives that just make it better, um, makes our lives better. In fact, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verse 3 says this, they, speaking of the Proverbs, they will teach you how to be wise and self-controlled and will teach you to do what is honest and fair and Right, and here's the deal, like, you don't even have to be a believer in Jesus to get something out of the book of Proverbs. If, if, you, if you read this stuff and you begin to apply it to your life, I'm, I'm going to double down. I will guarantee, a money-back guarantee, it will make your life better. It will improve your life if you will choose to begin to live this way. So put it to the test um, I encourage you that even if you're not a Christ follower, lean in, put some of these things to practice in your life, and you will see the payoff in the long run. I believe it. I believe that this is the way that we should live. So um, several weeks ago at the beginning of this series, we talked about um, our friendships, and we took a look at what the Proverbs said about uh, friendships, relationships, and we learned that our friends will determine our future. And then the week after that, we talked about our reputation and we discovered that our identity is not found in the goodness of our name, but rather in the goodness of our God. And then last week, we talked about our work ethic and we learned that God honors hard work because hard work honors God. Today, we're going to take another step and we're going to look at something um, else in the book of Proverbs, um, a very popular topic. Uh, we're going to talk about our words. We'll talk about our words today. And so um, if you have your Bible or uh, a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me, swipe with me. We're going to start out in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And so the best way to get to Proverbs, if you got your Bible, open it up to the middle. That's Psalms. Um, right in the middle of, of your Bible, and then turn right one book, and you're going to get to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And the translation I'm using, the, the um, New Living Translation says this, careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. Careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. So what that tells me is right off the bat, our words can either kill or they can heal. And we have a choice as to what the outcome of our words are, depending on the words that we use and the way in which we go about using them. Our words can either kill or they can heal. Um, a few months ago, or it was actually over a year ago, um, we didn't live here yet. We were still living in, um, in St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, this story that I'm going to tell is, is not necessarily a good one. So, you know, everybody take a breath. It's not about any of you or any of the people in the community or whatever. But um, we, we had a, 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 an issue with one of our vehicles that we had to go and have um, a guy take a look at. 
And while we were there, we discovered a couple other things, and he was going to have to order some different parts. And he was, he was um, running on the computer, making some phone calls, and trying to find out um, what he could get for me and when he could get it in. You know the drill and how much it's going to cost and everything. And so he put in a few phone calls, and he was waiting on somebody to call him back. And I must just have one of those faces that, um, you know, and, and be one of those kinds of people. So in the midst of that waiting, uh, the mechanic, he decided he was going to strike up a conversation with me. And, you know, we started talking about guy things, you know, the weather, sports, and then that transitioned into life a little bit. And he starts kind of pouring out his heart to me a little bit and just talking about all these things. And, and in the midst of, of all of his talking, he was using like some of the most atrocious language I've ever heard. Like he was like, it wasn't just like your regular cuss words. He was like making stuff up. And like these weird combinations, and I'm like, man, I've never heard anybody put those three words together in a sentence, but somehow like you did it and kind of made it work, and it was really weird and everything. And so this conversation is going on, and, and, and it's not just the curse words. It's a bunch of negativity, and, and he's, just, he's just having a bad day, and he's in a bad way and everything. And so his, his language is, um, is, you know, is, is helping me to identify that and just this guy, he's kind of at a dead-end place in his life and, and on and on and on, and he's talking to me about all this stuff. And so finally, he says one of my favorite questions ever is what he asked me. He goes, so what do you do for a living? Now, sometimes it ain't so great to be the pastor, okay? But this is a time in which it was because I smiled really big and I said, I'm a pastor of the church right down the street here. And man, did he start to backpedal and fumble and he got like sweaty and his face turned white and everything. He did that kind of thing, kind of like Elmer Fudd or whatever, or, or Porky Pig, you know, and starts stuttering and everything. And he's, I'm, I'm so sorry. Had, had, I know, had I known you were a man of the cloth, <laughs> I wouldn't have been using the kind of language that I've been using. And I just grinned at him and I said, sir, I really don't think I'm the one that you need to apologize to. And I really feel that way. It wasn't me that he needed to apologize to. I mean, I appreciated his apology, but the language that he was using, the complaints that he was uttering, his, his negative attitude, that wasn't against me. He had a much bigger issue going on. And that made me think about the wise words of the great theologian Thumper from Bambi. <laughs> if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. You know? If you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. Now, notice what, notice what the great theologian Thumper didn't say. He didn't say, if you can't say anything nice, post it on Facebook instead. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you can't say anything nice, then tweet about it. You know, that, that's, that's, not, that's not what he said. He didn't say, if you can't say anything nice, write it on an offering envelope and place it in the silver box in the back of the room so the pastor can read it on Monday morning when he comes into the office. He didn't say that. He said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say nothing at all. All right? And... And here's the deal. 
we, we, try, to, we try to take this and, and like our, our, our language and everything and, and, and the issues that we have with, with like uh, foul words or, or negative speech coming out of our mouths. And you know what we do to try to address the problem? We put a swear jar on the counter. You guys know what I'm talking about. A, a swear jar, you know, like a, like a big mason jar. Maybe, maybe you've got one, maybe you've got one at, at work somewhere like in the break room or heaven forbid you have one like on your kitchen counter at home. Like, I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But every time you utter a bad word or, you know, you, you, you put some money in the jar, you know, and then it fills up and then, and then maybe you go out for a nice dinner or something. I don't know what you do. Maybe you pay a credit card off or something. I don't, I don't know. So it just, just depends on, you know, how much bad language you're using. And that's kind, of a, that's kind of a thing that we see in pop culture. And, 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 we know, and, we, and some of us, maybe you've even tried that before, like to help yourself kind of quit the habit of using foul language and dirty words and stuff like that. But, but that, just, that just treats the symptoms. That doesn't actually treat the, the core of the problem. It, it just treats the, the symptoms. And I don't know of anybody that's ever stopped using that kind of language just because they had to drop a couple bucks in the swear jar, you know. In fact, it kind of uh, a lot of times turns into like a game, and it's a funny thing. And I don't think that this kind of language is very funny. And I don't think that the God that I serve thinks it's very funny either. Because a dirty mouth is, is not just a sign of a problem with our mouths, our tongues. It's, it's a sign of a much bigger problem. And I'm not just talking about curse words. All right, some of you are like, well, I don't use language like that. But, but do you use language that would, that would belittle other people? Or do you find words of anger and hatred and prejudice and racism coming out of your mouth? What about words of, of discord and arrogance? Words that communicate greed and envy and jealousy or complaining or lies. Does that come out of your mouth? Because those are the things that I'm talking about. Not just all the four letters, but all of that other stuff as well. And this is what Jesus himself said in, in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45. He said, good people bring good things out of the good they stored in their hearts. But evil people bring evil things out of the evil they stored in their hearts. People speak the things that are in their hearts. Or some of your translations, maybe your translation reads, out of the abundance of the heart or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. People speak the things that are in their heart. And so that leads me to our big idea for today, and it's simply this. Improper speech isn't a tongue issue. It's a heart issue. Improper speech is not a tongue issue. Man, if I could just get rid of this dirty mouth, that's not what it is. It is a heart issue. It is something much deeper, much bigger than just a tongue problem. It is a heart problem. And our tongues then serve as an extension of our heart. So, if, if you've got your Bibles, um, flip over with me all the way to the New Testament near the end. We're going we're gonna to jump into James chapter 3 for just a minute. And so there's a couple things that you need to know about this passage in James chapter 3 that we're going to take a look at. Number one, 
This was written by the brother of Jesus. James is the brother of Jesus. And and I got to be honest, if there's anybody who probably knew what it was like to have a difficulty in controlling his mouth, it would be the brother of Jesus. Okay? Any of you that have siblings, you got to know exactly what James was feeling. Only he wasn't He wasn't just the sibling to just any old person. He was the sibling to the Son of God. All right? Jesus was perfect. He never did anything wrong. Anytime all the rest of the kids got in trouble, Jesus was still able to go outside and play because he didn't do it. You know? Jesus was Mary and Joseph's favorite. You know? He was the chosen one. Try growing up underneath that shadow and controlling your mouth. Each and every day. You know James was like, Jesus. He was taking his allowance and putting it in the swear jar, you know, right there on the counter. So that's something that you need to know about about what he is writing. And so so James, the brother of Jesus, he he would have sat under the teaching where, where Jesus is teaching people about the words that we speak come out of our heart. And not only would James have have witnessed Jesus teach that, he would have witnessed Jesus live that, all right? And so the other thing that's important for you um, before we jump into this passage of James chapter three is it's important to note James is talking to Christians. He's talking to believers, all right? So if you're here today, and you're not a Christ follower, then congratulations for the next few minutes, you are off the hook today. All right, no one's expecting you to live your life this way because you're not a Christ follower and this just applies to Christ followers. However, I do believe with all of my heart and with the utmost amount of conviction that I can muster that what James is about to communicate to us, what we're about to read, that this is the very best way for us to live, whether we're Christ followers, whether we're believers in Jesus or not. All right, so now that we've set the stage for that, let's jump in to James chapter three. Starting in verse three, James says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can control their whole bodies. Also, a ship is very big and it is pushed by strong winds, but a very small rudder controls that big ship, making it go wherever the pilot wants. All right, so he's talking about a big horse with a small bit in the mouth, a huge ship with a small rudder, and that's determining the direction of the horse and the boat. He says, it is the same with the tongue, verse 5. It is a small part of the body, but it brags about great things. A big forest fire can be started with only a little flame. So what he's saying is, is that, yes, the tongue is very small. It is a very seemingly insignificant part of our body. When, when you take into consideration our whole bodies, the tongue is only but a small portion, just a, a minute percentage of what the makeup of our bodies actually are. But within that tiny little body part, there is a great amount of power to be wielded and to be controlled and to be harnessed. 
And as every comic book fan knows, with great power comes great responsibility. You and I have a responsibility for this tiny little organ that is in our mouths. And so that's what James is talking to us about. He says, the tongue is like a fire. It is a whole world of evil among the parts of our bodies. And it's at this point that James is writing, and we're like, no, no, James, please tell us how you really feel about the tongue. Because he said, it's like a fire. It is a whole world of evil. And if that's not enough, the tongue spreads its evil through the whole body. This little bitty thing right here is intertwined and interconnected. And the, the, the evil that is in the tongue then spreads itself throughout our entire bodies. It says the tongue is, here, here's where he paints like this really bleak picture. The tongue is set on fire by hell. And it starts a fire that influences all of life. Some of you are looking up like right now, you're Googling like tonguectomies. You know, like, is there a doctor in Fernandina, you know, that I can just stop off outpatient surgery, you know, have this taken care of, you know, right after church? The tongue is set on fire by hell. It starts a fire that influences all of life. Verse 7, people can tame every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, and fish. And they have tamed them, but no one can tame the tongue. So James is saying, you've got this really big issue and there's nothing you can do about it. Really? Like that's what he said. And he says, he says, he goes even further. He says, it is wild and evil and full of deadly poison. He goes on and on and on. The, the tongue is capable of so much destruction. So much destruction. Verse 9. We use our tongues to praise our Lord and Father, but then we curse people whom God made like himself. Praises and curses come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, this should not happen. And I stand before you today as the guiltiest of all. So don't think that I'm just pointing a finger this morning because I'm just up here preaching to myself. That what James is talking about is that within the Christian community, within the circle of believers, the problem that we have is that we come into the church house and we lift up the name of Jesus and we sing songs and proclaim, proclaim his goodness and, and his wonder and his greatness and then we leave and we go and we destroy other people around us. Our spouses, our children, our co-workers, others in the community. Someone cuts us off into traffic on the way to lunch after church on a Sunday. You guys know what I'm talking about? And poof, out of the mouth, the heart begins to speak. This should not happen. Verses 11 and 12 of James 3. Do good and bad water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree make olives or can a grapevine make figs? No. And a well full of salty water cannot give good water. You guys have seen a well, like the, like the old-fashioned ones, you know, like back in like fairy tales and stuff. You know, it's a little, it's a little stone thing, and it's got the little, the little gable roof on the top of it, and it has a little bucket, you know, with the crank, and you drop it down, and you, you, you crank it up, everything. Like, that's kind of how I envision our words coming out of our mouth. It's like when we speak, it's like a little bucket that drops down into our heart, and we crank it up, and then it comes out. And if it's salty water down in there, it's going to be bitter and yucky and nasty. But if it's good, fresh water, because our, that's what's going to come out. Because our tongues are capable of either bringing death and destruction or bringing, bringing life and hope and health and healing. That's the power that we wield. The stuff that is stored in our hearts is what's going to come out of our mouth. And so the things that are coming out of your mouth, if, 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 you, if you took a step back, let's say that you got like a journal or a tape recorder and you recorded everything that you said, every word that came out of your mouth for a week, that would give you an indication of the condition of your heart. kind of sobering for some of us, I think, if we really think about it, that the words that we speak serve as an indicator for the condition of our heart. And for some of us, man, our hearts, might, we might be on life support. So we need to get it fixed. So, so the question is, is that if no one can tame the tongue, if we are incapable of in and, in and of ourselves, out of our own power of taming the tongue, then what do we do? What hope do we have? And so I'm, I'm going to try to give you, if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write this down. We're going to talk about five steps toward honoring God with your words. Five things that we can do to honor God with our words. Words, all right? So if you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, submit your heart, mind, and tongue to the Lord daily. Submit your heart, mind, and tongue to the Lord daily. Because the reason it's heart, mind, and tongue is because what happens is, is that the things that are stored in the heart, then they travel up to your brain, and then your brain processes them, and then they, they formulate words that turns into language that you then utter. Like, it's, it's all this process that is, that is working together. And so for some of us, we need to wake up in the morning, and the first prayer that needs to be on our, mat, on our, on our lips is, is, Lord... I submit my heart, and I submit my mind, and I submit my tongue, my, my, my soul, my thoughts, my speech, my words. I submit them to you. Lord, let me honor you today with what I'm carrying, what I'm holding in my heart, the things that I'm thinking about, with, with the words that are coming out of my mouth, Romans 8, 13, Paul writes, if you use your lives to do the wrong things your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you will have true life. We've got to lean into the Spirit. When we, submit our, when we submit our hearts, we submit our minds, we submit our tongues to the Lord, we're, we're saying we're depending on 
the help of the Holy Spirit because we can't tame the tongue, but we can change the heart. The Spirit can change our heart. And if our heart changes, then our words are gonna change as well. So we start off by submitting each and every day our hearts, our minds, and our tongues to the Lord. Number two, we solicit God to give us an awareness of the words we speak. Solicit, that's a really, really fancy word to just say ask. We're asking for help. All of these are S words, by the way, so that's why you solicit. It's a fancy way to say ask. We, we're asking God to give us an awareness of the words that we speak. A lot of us, the things that are coming out of our mouth, we don't even realize. We don't even realize the things that we are saying. We don't, we don't realize the, the way that we are affecting other people with our words. And so we need to ask God for help. Lord, help me to understand. Help me to know the words that are coming out of my mouth. Do you understand the word that are coming out of my mouth? Psalm 141.3, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me be careful about what I say. You know what? God wants us to ask him for help. Quit trying to do it yourself. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. So lean into him. Depend on the spirit each and every day. Ask him, Lord, help me to know the words that are coming out of my mouth. Help me to realize how they are affecting other people and help me to control my tongue and to be careful about the things that I say. We solicit God to give us an awareness of the words that we speak. Number three. Surrender your right to complain. If we all just did this, our word, like our, our language, would, it, would, it would change our, everything about our lives would change. If we, if we, Lord, I give up my right to complain about anything. All right. If you want to complain to somebody, complain to God, not your neighbor. All right, get a journal and, and like a whole box of pens and you just complain yourself silly. All right, and take that to God. Don't, don't take it to, don't take it to your, your husband or your wife or just surrender your right to complain. I, I no longer have a right to complain about any situation because God's in control, right? God's got this. I don't have a right to complain. You got you to give up that right. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what Proverbs 10, 11 says. It says, the words of a good person give life like a fountain of water. They give life. They are life giving like a fountain of water. And does anybody know what the opposite of a fountain is? It's a drain. And you know, if you've ever been around anybody that complains all the time, it is a drain. It does not give you life. It sucks the life out of you. 
And with our words, we have the ability that we can either give life like a, like a fountain of water, like on a hot day, like, you know, like you unscrew the, the, the fire department comes by and they unscrew the fire plug, you know, and the water goes and the little kids, they just run through it like, oh, you know, it's 138 degrees outside. We're cooking eggs on the sidewalk. But man, you getting that sprinkler, oh, mm, it's refreshing, Right? Our words can be like that, or they can totally suck the life out of people. You choose every day with your words to either be a fountain or a drain. You either give life or you suck it out of those around you, the words that you speak. So you can be a fountain if you surrender your life to your right to complain. Number four, seek forgiveness for any harmful words you have spoken. Seek forgiveness for any harmful words you have spoken. Husbands, let me, let me teach you a little phrase that'll pay off big time. It goes like this, all right? Now pay attention, because I'm gonna use some big words here that you may not understand, husbands. And, and I can say this because I am a husband, all right? All right, see if you can follow me. I'm sorry. All right? And then there, there's another one. It's, it's three words instead of two. I was. Sarah, plug your ears for just a second. I was. So hard to say. I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Now, granted, it's when I thought I was wrong, but I was actually right. But still, <laughs> just kidding. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Husbands, wives, children, teenagers, you don't know it all. If we added that language to our vocabulary, I'm sorry, I was wrong, that would go such a long way. We seek forgiveness. We go to God and we say, God, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry, forgive me for the words that I spoke. We go to that person that we said those negative things about or that we said that awful thing to or that it just, it just flew out and we didn't really mean it, but don't just let it sit there. Go and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Seek forgiveness for it. Psalm 1914, this is David's prayer. I hope my words and thoughts please you. Lord, you are my rock, the one who saves me. If our words are not pleasing unto God, they're not pleasing unto the people that we're communicating them to, then we've got to go and ask for forgiveness from both the Lord and that person. Seek forgiveness for any harmful words we've spoken. Number five, the last one. Hopefully you're writing these down. Submit your heart, mind, and tongue to the Lord daily. Solicit God to give you an awareness of the words you speak. Surrender your right to complain. Seek forgiveness for any harmful words you've spoken. Number five, speak words that comfort, encourage, edify. That means to build up and inspire. Speak words that comfort, encourage, edify, and inspire. Do the words that you speak make the people around you better? 
Is that the kind of language that you are using? That the, the, the people that are within your sphere of influence, that they are within close proximity, do they make those people, do the words you speak make those people better? Your families, when you're in, in your house, or, or, or um, your, your co-workers when you're at work, or the cashier when you're at the grocery store, or those other parents that happen to be in the same aisle as you at Target, that they overhear you speaking to your children. What's it doing for them? Speak words that comfort, encourage, edify, and inspire. Ephesians 4.29, when you talk, do not say harmful things, Paul says, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger, then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. Man. The words that we speak can do good to those who hear them. They can make those people be stronger. You have that power within you to kill to heal. It's all right here in this tiny little thing. But it's connected to this thing, our hearts. You have that power. There's, there's an old um, Cherokee proverb, Cherokee Indian, and I, I grew up in, in Tennessee, in the land of the Cherokee. Um, and uh, it's this Cherokee Indian chieftain. He's talking to his grandson about the ways of life, and he's, he's trying to instill some, some, some principles, some sound principles into, into his grandson's life. And he tells him a story about two wolves. The old Cherokee was teaching his grandson about life, and, and he says, a fight is going on inside of me. That's what he told his grandson. He said, a fight is going on inside of me. It's, it's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He's anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. And he continued, he said, the other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the same fight that is going on inside of me is going on inside of you and every other person as well. And the chieftain's grandson thought about it for a minute. Then he asked his grandfather, he said, so which wolf wins the fight? The grandfather patted him on the back and smiled really big. He said, the one you feed. The one you feed is the one that will win, that will overcome. Which wolf are you going to feed? 
Are you gonna are you gonna store up in your heart? Are you gonna feed the wolf of death? Or are you gonna sow into the wolf of life? Are you gonna choose to speak words that that belittle and tear down and destroy? Or are you gonna choose to speak words that that build up and encourage and inspire? Will you speak life? You have the choice. Your words can kill or they can heal. Will you choose rather than speaking death? Will you choose to speak life? And if you do, how might it affect your life? How might it affect your marriage if you chose to honor your spouse with your words? How might it affect your relationship with your children if if you chose to encourage and extend grace? And kids, how might it affect your relationship with your parents if if you chose to to not fire back with a smart aleck insult? How would it affect your friendships if if you chose to speak words that that were clothed in unity and truth? How would it change your attitude, your your overall outlook on life if the words that came out of your mouth were full of joy and love and hope and kindness? How would others start to view you if you began to speak that way? And better yet, for those of you that are Christ followers, how would others start to view Jesus? Because you chose to speak differently, to speak life. John 10.10, this is Jesus' kind of mission. It says, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. And I can't help but wonder, if that's what Jesus was about, then shouldn't that be what we are about? And that we have the power in our mouth, our tongues, we have the power to speak life into those around us. If we claim to be a Christ follower, then our speech, our words should reflect his mission. The good news today is that if you haven't been honoring God with your speech, you haven't been honoring God with your words, his grace and his forgiveness is available to you today. All you have to do is ask, Lord, clean up my heart, clean up my heart, clean up my speech. Lord, I need you because I can't tame my tongue. No man can tame the tongue. So we got to give it over to God. If you've never accepted that new life that Jesus is talking about, that's available to you as well today. In fact, it's as simple as A, B, C. All you have to do is admit, believe, and choose. You admit that you're a sinner in need of salvation. You believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that he was God's son sent to earth, fully human, walked among us, died on the cross, was dead, buried, and three days later, he arose from the grave, defeating death and hell in the process to forgive you and me of our sins so that we could have life. And finally, we choose to put ourselves in second place 
and put him first. We surrender our lives and begin to live for him and what he wants for us instead. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.